I meet some amazing people randomly, you know, in the most I'm craziest way ever. Like I met some amazing people in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. <laughs> like it didn't even make it didn't make any sense that I met them. Welcome to Becoming Legendary. That was Katie Sampaio, author of the best-selling book Eat to Thrive, the anti-diet cookbook. Katie joins the podcast this week to share her thoughts on fitness and the nutrition world. If you like Katie and want to get to know more about her, check out her website, katiesampeo.com. You can also join Katie on her Thrive Retreat, a fitness and adventure retreat in Costa Rica, coming up October 27th. Check more about that on her website. Join her Thrive Squad and check out her book, Eat the Thrive. Without further ado, let's get to Becoming Legendary with Katie Sampaio. There are no gold medals for down dog. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legend and become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself 1% Your better? The goal is to be the best version of you. Katie, thank you so much for coming on Becoming Legendary. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> so good. So good. I'm really <laughs> excited to get to talk to you. Uh, I start out every single podcast the same way. So can you tell me what the typical day in your life looks like? Well, now, now that question really, really varies on the day because I travel full time. Yeah. currently and I never know where I'm going to be and I never know what's going on uh, because I'm kind of just focusing on living my life in the present right now and just going with the flow every single day. But in general, uh, like my daily routine, I try to wake up, you know, at a relatively decent time around like nine o'clock. I usually stretch and practice some yoga, work out, have a healthy breakfast, and then I'll get some work done on my computer, uh, maybe do another stretching routine, read, hang out with some friends. That's kind of my life at the moment. It's a Travel, pretty, it's a pretty good stuff. setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying this time of my life. What, um, what are you reading? What, what's the best thing you've read recently? I've been reading this book called, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the name? You are, you are the one hmm. by, uh, I forget the, I forget his exact name, the author, but it's a really powerful book and it's, it's, it really dives into the stories that you're telling yourself and all these restrictions that we put on ourselves that are just in our heads and they're not real and how to push through those boundaries that we've set up for ourselves in our own mind. Yeah. So it's a very powerful book. And it, if you want to read something that's going to inspire you and like get you in a really excited mood every single day, I highly recommend that book. Okay. It does that for me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very powerful concept, right? I mean, I think when you break things down deeply enough, everything that we experience happens in our head Right. Because everybody's, everybody has their own perspective of how things are happening. So every, every single thing that happens is created within our, within our mind's capacity to understand and interpret it. Um, mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite concepts to, to dive into. So that sounds like a book right up my alley. Yeah. You should check it out. <laughs> well, for sure. It's my second time reading it. Okay. <laughs> That's always a sign of a really good book. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what are the things, right? You're, you sounds like life right now you've created, you've manifested a life. That's, um, really what, what a lot of people would strive for. What are the things in your current existence that really excite you? Meeting new people. That's yeah. like a, a major thing for me. That's part of the biggest reasons why that I'm traveling so much is because I just really enjoy meeting new people and learning about different cultures and pushing myself out of my normal way of thinking and in general, my comfort zone and traveling, I've discovered like so many different ways of life and so many different types of people and so many different types of foods, right? All these, all this different stuff that's very different from the norm. If I stayed 
in Maryland yeah. and never left. And now I just want to keep going. I want to keep discovering it. It's just opened up this whole new world to me. So where, where are you going to go? What, where are you headed? So, okay. The next leg of the trip is to Costa Rica and that's in about one month from now. And that's for me hosting my fitness and an adventure retreat. I'll do that there. And I, I was there 10 weeks before that to really finalize all that. And from there, I want to travel through South America because I am Spanish and I really want to learn more about my culture and, and learn how to speak Spanish fluently. So that's going to be the next leg. I'm thinking I'll probably be down there for like three months. Okay. Traveling around. No, no real set plan. I didn't have a set plan last time. I just kind of knew what I was doing the first week and let everything else happen. <laughs> How, how do you find those things unfolding for you? Like what, what are the trails that you follow that end up moving you on to your next adventure when you're on a, when you're on a non kind of guided path? It's really the people that I'm meeting because I meet, I meet some amazing people randomly, you know, in the most craziest way ever. I met some amazing people in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. (laughs) Like it didn't even make, it didn't make any sense that I met them. And then it led to me, uh, using this person's house for my retreat and becoming really good friends with this person Cool. and, and actually connecting with them in Europe. And then they connected me to other people, which is how I, you know, traveled to different parts in Europe through these different connections. And it's kind of like the spider web of you meet somebody and then, you just have to be open and I'm very open to meeting people and talking to people that I don't know. And it just keeps growing into this giant network and you kind of just, I'm the kind of person who I'm not afraid of the unknown and I'll just, I'll just go with the flow and go meet someone that I don't know and see what happens. And it works out most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really, the, the vast majority of people are so amazing and mm-hmm. it's easy to become tainted because every now and then you run into a bad apple. But, um, when yep. you, when we really think about it and, and the, the, the unfortunate reality is that our, um, our media definitely highlights the bad things that are happening in society. So it's easy to have a skewed perspective, but what the media doesn't cover is that, 7 billion people didn't harm anyone yesterday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is why I don't watch the news. Yeah. Because, quite frank, I'm probably the only American who knows nothing about what's really going on in America because I don't want to hear all the negative stuff about Trump and everything else all the time. Like, it's just negative. Everything's negative. There's never anything positive. And then that really does affect the way you think of the world. And until you're actually out there traveling in it and you really understand that, okay, yes, there are some bad people in this world, but the majority are really giving, loving, caring, and we're blocking that because of all the stuff that we're hearing. Like, yeah. I just, it's sad. It's, it's just like, I think it's unfortunate. And I think the news has a, you know, there's a reason for the news, but I personally have made, made a choice in my life uh, to just really not engage with it. Because I don't yeah. want to affect, my, affect the way I think of other things. I want to experience it for myself, make my own decisions. It's yeah. I I think more more people more people should do that. I I think that the first step is is removing um, cable because that should be yeah. an easy thing for everyone at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then really um, cultivate the the news that that you take on. So. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I have a, an, an information addiction. I'll, I'm happily willing to admit that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, I do think we have the, we, we can curate and cultivate what types of information we take in. And, um, I think you should do that. I think we're in a, we're live, we're lucky enough to live in a world now where we have the capacity to really do that. And I, I would recommend everyone takes advantage of that and not take in the, constant drab of, uh, mm-hmm. of mass, mass direction that, that has been forced upon the populace. Yeah. <laughs> um, I agree. one of the things I got really excited to talk to you because of this conversation that I had the other day and I, I run into, to similar conversations pretty frequently, but I want to, I want to just kind of lead this in and then I want to talk about the book that you wrote. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with this woman and she's telling me about how clean she eats and how it's just like everything she, everything she puts in her body is so immaculate and it's perfect and it's so great for her health. And then she tells me in the same sentence that if she ever goes out to a restaurant, she cannot eat any of the food because if she eats any restaurant food, she'll be sick for multiple weeks. Hmm. And I immediately thought that is not someone who's thriving. Um, that is someone who is really, they, they seem profoundly unhealthy because I believe that if our bodies are healthy, they should be able to take on, even, even if we go and we have junk, our body should be able to process that, detox ourselves and get rid of it. So you wrote a book, um, an anti-diet cookbook called Eat to Thrive. What, yes. what does uh, eating to thrive mean to you? It doesn't mean that. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, the whole thing is, it don't, it's not being, it's really just understanding how your body reacts to foods and doing what works for you and making sure that you, you're getting the nutrients that you need. You're feeling energized and, and vitalized from the foods that you're eating. But if you want to eat a, co- a cookie and sometimes the cookie makes you feel vitalized, then go for it. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be this perfect cookie cutter plan because that's how, um, let's be honest, this eating disorders are created. It's really from this perfectionism thing. We can't, you know, go off the beaten path one time or now we did something bad and we should punish ourselves. And that kind of seems what this woman has created in her mind that she probably has it so that she does. She might be getting sick for real from this food because she has it such a, such a strong belief in her mind that it's bad for her that get, she probably it mentally convinces her body to get sick to, to punish herself, to punish her for, yeah. for, for not sticking to this perfect, perfect regimen that she has. And that's, that's, let's be honest, that's unrealistic. If you want to, you know, go to a birthday party, if you want to go travel somewhere and try the local foods, most likely it's not going to fit into, and this is something I've really had to, you know, accept traveling so much, yeah. fit into your perfect little bubble of what you think you should eat every single day. And, and that's okay. And I noticed that when I just kind of let go of, oh, I have to, I have to really eat like this much protein, all that kind of stuff, right? Like, oh man, I have a piece of cake man, three days a week. I really shouldn't do that. And once I just kind of let it go and it accepted that, okay, this is what I really am enjoying right now. All of a sudden, it wasn't affecting my body. Like as far as I didn't gain any weight, to be honest with you. Yes, I gained a little, it got a little bit looser, but really nothing happened and I wasn't feeling any different and I wasn't feeling de-energized and I wasn't having all the repercussions that you would think would happen if you go off your normal dietary routine. And it really has to do with your mindset around food. And in my book, I'm really talking about the mindset around it and giving people just the straight facts of, okay, this is what's, what fat means. This is what carbs mean, blah, blah, blah. That stuff, you know, that's basic education, but it's okay to not eat extremely perfect as long as my belief is you just understand what you're eating you understand how things affect you some people can eat bread some people can (laughs) everybody's different yeah it's i i it's interesting there's so many things that are interesting about that one is i can feel how the conversation of diets and food is like a very sensitive subject for people and i can feel how um how how tiptoeing you're being on that and, yeah. and I'm going to invite you to just open up and be free. Like this is just a, it's a fun conversation. And I think that even if we have completely different perspectives of uh, food, that, that's fine. We can all, everyone can have completely different perspectives of food. I think yeah. that is, that is one thing that I think everyone should be willing to let everyone have is you, you can eat mm-hmm. whatever, whatever works for you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I think that idea of punishment, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting point because I think that we have, for the, the mo- most people have taken exercise, physical movement and developed their movement practice as a punishment for the food that they've consumed, which I would argue is completely backwards. We talk about movement being a reward for the body and food being, um, really a fuel to help your body do the things that you want it to do. And that Mm -hmm. can be 
enjoying like a brownie, right? Like you, yeah. if you want to, if that's a thing that you want to do, you should make your, to me, you should make your body be able to receive a brownie and have it give you the energy because there's a, an amazing amount of energy in a brownie. It might not all be great energy for you, but there's an amazing mm-hmm. amount of energy in a brownie. So I think yeah. that's just part of the, part of the thing that we should all be striving for. How can we make our body give us the things that we want from it? Yeah, exactly. And that's something that the majority of this world struggles with because of the heavy marketing around perfectionism, body image, this diet's better than another diet. You're bad if you don't do this and that. And a lot of it, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm a marketing major. I focus a lot on my business with, with marketing. So I understand that a lot of this is just coming from marketing of other big companies that have the money to afford these big convincing campaigns that make you feel like you're doing something wrong if you don't follow their way of thinking and eating and doing things. And uh, this is why also why I try not to engage <laughs> with all the TV crap, with all the sitcoms. Yeah. I don't, I don't have cable television. The yeah. only thing I watch are series <laughs> yeah. on Netflix every once in a while. And they're very curated. Like as we kind of talked about earlier, um, because it can, it's just a lot of the people that I help, eat healthy through my business and live a healthy life. It, it has, it mainly, we're just talking about their mindset the entire time. Yeah. We talk about the food. Let's be honest. We know what's good. We know what's healthy. Most people really do know the difference. It's just, what are they believing in their head? What are they like punishing themselves for? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways that's true, but I think there's also a whole level of people, um, a whole level of of knowledge base that have been given really bad information and yeah they might be doing all of these things that they've been told to do right like one of the things i know you talk have talked about is the the historical practice of low fat diets right like that's still very a very common thing that people are terrified to eat fat <laughs> yeah. And that is scary. I I feel like there might not be anything that's more detrimental to human health than um an acute massive restriction of of dietary fat intake. Yeah, it's that is a huge one. And I re- I grew up in a family where that was forced like that was well that was taught to me. Taught. Yes. E- everything had to be low fat. Yeah. Everything. Everything. There was no real full fat cheese, there was no full fat milk no full fat yogurt, you know, nothing like that it, because that it was taught through the marketing of the nineties really yeah. and the early two thousands that fat is bad for you. And instead what they're doing is pumping the food with sugar and a lot of really weird chemicals that you can't pronounce that are made in the lab that make the food taste better and a lot of salt. Yeah. And then sure. pe- people are not feeling good. People are feeling really like low energy. They're doing energy dips when they're eating like this. And it's because number one, fat is fuel. Fat is, fat is, fat is our biggest energy source. Most nutrient dense thing, nutrient dense, dense food source there is period without a doubt. You're a hundred percent right. It is. And we need it. And we need it for our brain to function optimally. People that, that don't consume any fat, they have memory loss. Yeah. Like early, early in their lives. That's a problem. Like we need it to survive, and and I'm glad now that there there does seem to be a lot of uh you know new mindsets around it with people understanding that like you know we have like the MCT oils, the coconut oil, all the all the fats are becoming very trendy now, which I think is a good thing because at least people are eating are sure. eating it now, and they're start it's starting to just now you know go away from that old school mindset because of all the the studies that are coming out. It's becoming more like mass massively known through the media, which that I think is a really great thing because it's scary to see. I you know when a woman loses less than eight percent body fat, you lose your period. Mm-hmm. Like your 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 body literally starts to shut down, and that's. That's a scary and a super dangerous road to go down if you want to live a long life. If you want to actually have a life full of vibrancy and, and, and being able to remember your, your memories, right? You yeah. need to make sure you're consuming the right amount of nutrients and that involves fat. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I've never, so I interact with a lot of people and I've never interacted with anyone who has any type of autoimmune issue who didn't have a, either extremely low fat or no fat diet period of their life. And, um, Mm. 
I don't, I, I'm not saying that that's empirically uh, cause or, or it's empirically correlated, but I am saying that it's a very interesting thread that I think we should follow. Um, your, your point is exactly, I've told this story lots of times, but just to, so you know, I, um, I at one point in my life was about 195 pounds, about 3% body fat, and my body broke down, and oh. I was bedridden for two years. I spent, um, I, uh, those two years, I, I literally could not make new memories. I couldn't, they just, my brain stopped working. My body stopped working. And, um, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. I, I, I think it's, it's frustrating wow. to see people, um, following that same thing. And, um, it's really frustrating because where your parents were telling you to eat low fat, I, I forced the low fat, no fat diet upon my parents and now I can't get them out of it. So, um, it's a, I, I broke the, the camel, the camel, the horse, whatever the cart, they all came, they're all broken and just smashed up right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's heavy. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. What, what are the most common? All right. So we talked about fat. What are the most common misconceptions around food that you run into these days? Well, fat, that's still stuck in a lot of older people's mindsets. Yeah. The whole carb thing, that's another thing. Yeah. Every, everyone's like, you know, in general hops on this no carb thing, but no one understands. And this is what I teach in my book, that carbs are in everything. They're not just in bread. <laughs> They're not just the <laughs> things that are made from grainy, starchy stuff. Like... Yeah. A banana, for instance, is loaded with carbs. Yeah. Super high carby food. Same with avocados. But no one, so like the whole misconception behind that is, is frustrating for me because mm. people then, you know, instead will eat a ton of fruit. Yeah. To supplement, thinking yeah. that they're, you know, doing okay. And they're actually, to be honest, to, 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 to have the energy that they want and to, to have the body that they want, they're over, they're eating too many car carbs, but they, but it's because of a lack of education with yeah. really understanding what a carb really is. Carbs are super important. Uh, they're, they're in everything, as I stated, but again, it's just like, just understanding like what's really in food. So that's something that I find that a lot of people don't really understand is that carbs are not just related to bread and crunchy, crunchy, salty jokes. things. Yeah, no, like it's in good stuff. It's yeah. in good stuff too, but you just got to figure out the balance that works for you. And sugar is the other thing. I I love sugar. I'll just like that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I know I do. I, I love dessert. I will eat a dessert over a thing of French fries any day of the week. Period. That's what I crave. Um, but a lot of people don't really seem to understand just how much sugar is in almost every single thing that we buy and how to really identify it properly on a nutrition label, which is something that I, I really teach about because I had no clue about this stuff yeah. like 10 years ago. I had something very, very funny. I was going through my old stuff from school and I guess I took a home ec class in middle school and I was documenting my food, like everything that I was eating for a week. I was horrified. I, <laughs> I mean, it was so bad. I mean, I cannot believe, but this is just because this is what I thought was okay. I would have an orange for breakfast with a pop tart <laughs> and an orange juice. <laughs> yeah. Right, that was breakfast, right? Yeah. Then we go on to lunch, about four Oreos, maybe like a peanut butter and jelly processed sandwich because all that stuff was processed. And then I'd have maybe a uh, chocolate milk. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and if you see how much sugar is in everything I'm saying. Yeah. And then, and then like for dinner, I'd probably have like a, a spaghetti, white flour, no nutritional value with a jar sauce, which is the jar sauces are typically loaded with salt and sugar and another milk, which milk usually has a lot of sugar in it actually. And people don't know that. Um, and then I'd have a dessert. And that, and I'm not even kidding. And maybe even there was a soda thrown in and I was like horrified because I don't, don't at this point in my life, I don't even remember eating like that. Yeah. Like that's, that's insane. And I feel like that I, I could eat like that. And I'm alive right now. Like, <laughs> and I'm not overweight or obese. Like how did that happen? Because I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And it's so much sugar and it's so much processed stuff. And like, and that was, my mom was feeding me that stuff, really thinking that it was good for me. Yeah. Like, 
really like there was no bad intention with that. Of course she doesn't want to make me unhealthy. Of course she doesn't want to like, you know, get me fat. You know, she, she, this is just what we, she was taught. What they're told. Yeah. But we were yeah. all told. Yeah. Like this is that, that I feel like the time that I grew up in the nineties, that was like the most heavily, like people ate the most processed food in America then. Yeah. Cause like, I just remember all my snacks were all processed Dunkaroos, Chef Boyardee, ju- like juice packs or whatever. Like, and it's all just sugar and, and carbs and, and processed stuff. And it's just like amazing that, you know, that, that used to happen. And one of, one of my big, 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 big missions with, with what I do for a living is to, is to educate people on this stuff. Because in that case, it's just due to a lack of education and really understanding how to read the nutrition label on these types of products that may be convenient, but might not be the best thing that are for us because they're not going to make us feel good most of the time in the end. Yeah, maybe every once in a while, but that menu I was eating was every day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's that's that. Luckily, I was a child, so I'm just full of energy anyways. But I'm as an adult, if I was to eat that way, I think I would be highly depressed. I would be overweight. I would be insecure. I wouldn't – I just wouldn't – I wouldn't feel good about myself. I wouldn't feel good in general because yeah, – Yeah, you definitely have systemic inflammation. You definitely had blood sugar issues. I mean there's, there's no way we can put that amount of – there's no way you can put that amount of sugar in our body and not create some, some bio – mechanical problems with our processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yep. that is, it's, it's very, it's very scary. And I think the scariest part of all of it is that it came from the information we were told. So it wasn't, wasn't mm-hmm. like people just started doing this. They were doing this because they thought it was the right thing to do. When, yep. when you're educating, when you're teaching, um, I imagine that just going through my own experience, I imagine that there are um, questions that come up that kind of blow your mind because um, you've put out all this information, you've laid out science, you've done all the things so that you've led somebody to the end of the path where they can see the light. And mm-hmm. then somebody hits you with a question that we we missed all of the steps along the way. Are there any, <laughs> are there any of those questions that um, have ever just come up that have really like, they've just been crazy questions. They're just like show, show how much work still needs to be done, I guess is my point on those. Yeah. I think a big one for people my age, I'm in my upper twenties. <laughs> they're like, okay, I'll, you know, they'll read my book. They'll buy my programs. They'll take my fitness classes all this stuff. Right. And then they'll be like, okay, so can I still like drink a couple beers every single night? (laughs) Got it. Or something. It's mainly with the alcohol. Yeah. And I'm just like looking at them like, no, (laughs) (laughs) did you not listen? I even have a section on alcohol in my book. Right. And I'm like, I, and I don't say as like, I don't ever say don't do something, Mm -hmm. but, but I'm just, again, giving the straight facts about what alcohol really does to your body and how it's mainly com- com- composed of sugars and carbs and they're empty. So they're not associated with any nutrients. So it's just an empty calorie and whatever, but what, you know, and how it actually does affect your performance the next day. Like it's been scientifically proven stuff like that. And, and then these people are like out still raging every single night of the week, slamming like five to 10 beers. Yeah you know, craft beers, mind you, like, you know, the heavy calorie, heavy carb, all of that stuff. And then they're, and they're still looking at me like wondering why they're not losing weight. Yeah. Like that's something really frustrating that I, I deal with a lot with my, my clients is that they, they may maybe change the eating a little bit, but what they're really not changing are their, the habits of, um, going out and drinking and partying and not sleeping enough. Yeah. Sleep is a good one too. <laughs> Yeah, I sleep a lot more these days, and I just allow myself to do it yeah. because I, I feel better. I know I need like nine hours. That's just me. Yeah, I, and it, sleep is a sleep is a tough tough thing because it's different for everybody, and some people need way less, and some people need way more. But the reality is, everybody needs really deep and really mm-hmm. quality sleep. And if you don't have that, you're just you're not functioning at the at your maximum capacity. 
the, yep. the thing that I hear you saying that we've kind of touched around that I, that I just want to like draw fully out is this idea of um, moderation, right? So you said, I don't tell anyone to never do anything. And I, I always say this, that extremes are really easy because if you're making binary decisions, you can either say yes or you can say no. And if you say no all the time, you know the answer. If you say yes all the time, you know the answer. Mm-hmm. But... But when every 16th time is your opportunity to say yes, that becomes a much um, more skilled way of living. Um, you, and it sounds like you found a moderation perspective that works for you. How did how did you get to the how did you get to the point where you can trust yourself to have a cookie and know that you're not going to have a cookie for the next 27 days in a row? Yeah. So it didn't used to be that way. (laughs) I actually used to be, you know, really strict about three years ago. And I was like, probably like the most, I like the most aesthetically ripped looking (laughs) that I've ever been in my life. Yep. And, and then I went to Bali and Thailand <laughs> you know, for for two months, and and I wanted to actually live life a little bit because before that I was in my normal routine. It's very easy when you're in your normal routine to to be in control of things a lot more. To say no to the cookie, to say no to the drink, for instance, because you have your normal routine. You know, you might have to get up for work, blah blah blah, right? Yeah. It's 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 in the unpredictable situations where it becomes really a challenge to control yourself. So I kind of like went from super extreme to, as we just talked about, completely opposite (laughs) the other direction, like just eating anything and everything for two months. Then I came back to the United States. I was like, all right, that's not going to work for me anymore. And really evaluated how I was feeling. I didn't feel guilty for it, for what I did those last two months. But I I realized that I, 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 I saw the, my extremist, you know, um, ways of being coming into play here. And I'm like, this isn't going to, if I'm going to continue to live this lifestyle where I am out of my element, I am out of my, uh, normal routine almost 24 seven, I cannot be going extreme either way. Cause it's just not going to work. So for me, it was really a big lifestyle choice. Um, and it just came into just really paying attention to how I feel. Like if I felt like I really wanted a cookie or I really wanted to try like this croissant in, in Paris, France, then I would allow myself to do it. And I allowed myself to do it for like the first day or two. But then after that, you know, I realized, okay, I've already tried this. I already know what it tastes like. Do I need to have this like every day, even if it's offered to me in front of my face? Is it going to actually really make me feel good after I eat it now? Or it felt really good at the first time, but is it going to keep making me feel this way now that I've already experienced it? And the answer was usually most of the time, no. So that's what helped me. and still helps me control not going into like this thing where, you know, I, yes, I eat a piece of cake. I eat a croissant. I eat some French fries one day, but I'm not going to do it the next day because I don't need to eat it every single day. Like it's not going to make me feel good. It's going to make me feel good in this moment because I'm savoring this one, this moment, but that's, 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 and then I'm good. And I've learned to accept that because before I would just eat like the whole sleeve of Oreos, for instance. (laughs) I mean, I've, I've had these moments like, you know, like just like, just like anybody else. And I really just felt like just crap, like crap afterwards. But when I go to a new place and I really want something, I will not deny myself. Like, I, that's, for instance, I'm just going to bring it up. I know, I know people might have done this, the whole 30 diet. Yeah. yeah. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I, I, I can't. Like, all my good friends have done it and I support them when they're doing it because I'm glad that they're like, you know, they're doing something to get themselves on track. But all of them know, and I'll say it, I don't support it uh, fully. I don't support this mindset of, of being so restrictive. Yeah. Like, it's, it, they can't travel. They can't eat out at restaurants. It's not realistic. It's nothing sustainable. And that's what I'm preaching here. Like you need to do something that's sustainable for you. If it's really honestly, honest to goodness, sustainable for you to never have a drink in your life, to never have a, a cookie, to never have a piece of pizza, then good for you. <laughs> but, the, but the reality is 99.9% of the world isn't going to do that consistently until the day they die, nor are they actually really going to want to do that. 
So it's all just about figuring out the triggers for you. What triggers you to really go like super off of it? Okay. Recognizing the the trigger when it's coming up and then making a conscious choice in your head. Like, okay, I know what's about to happen. Am I going to be okay with the result or do I need to like say, all right, put the cookie down today. So it just takes a while to build up. It's not an immediate thing the control aspect of it. Yeah. Well, I think what, one of the things that you said without saying was you created space. There was enough space in the process, in the desire to make a decision, right? So if we become impulsive in our consumption and we see a cookie, we pick up a cookie, we put our cookie in our mouth. There was no thought process, right? It was, there was a cookie. It had to go in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. But if we can get to the point where we think, okay, there's, there's a, there's a consequence to eating this cookie and there's also a desire to eating this cookie. And which one do I want to give more weight to in this moment? And then if we can make our decisions from that perspective where we've, we've, we've put some actual thought into this, I think you make good decisions. Yeah. And then there's no, then there's no guilt. Right. Because, because it was a choice. It was a choice for sure. You made a choice and, and you consciously made a choice. So then the, there should be no guilt associated with it the next day. Yeah. Cause you chose this. You didn't just, you didn't just blindly consume. For sure. You can, sure. you made a choice. It's a lot of mental freedom that you can give yourself by, by really taking the proactive, proactive ownership of making your own decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And that goes with a lot of different things. In life. For sure. For everything. It's a great, it's, I mean, food is a great metaphor for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what are the things that we can do without, how can we, how can we simplify food? I think there are just, there are just, uh, how can we simplify our life? How can we simplify our food? What, what are the, what are the foods we can do without? What are the things in life we can do without? It just, there's so much in food. How compulsive are we being? How, how much are we stacking things away? Like it just, it becomes a very interesting metaphor for life. And, um, mm-hmm. it, and it's such a beautiful part of life also. Uh, yeah. f- food is, the original, the very first original social glue is food, right? Alcohol has become a stronger social glue because it, it has the capacity, it, one, it's legal and it has the capacity to remove inhibition. So we, we, we have these things, but food to me is the purest form of a social bond and a social glue that there's ever been because it started out around a fire and you, everyone sat down and they consumed what was, what was gathered in, in a collective together. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it still has a lot of that DNA in it. And that it's a really important piece that is really wasted when you are shoving whatever packaged product in your mouth as you drive to work. Yeah. That's what it's become. That's what it's become for sure. (laughs) What's convenient. What can I eat on the go without even thinking about it? So as a, as a late twenties empowered woman who, who, who the person that you are now, how different is it than the person you thought you were going to be when you were 16? Oh God. (laughs) I don't even know if I knew what I was going to become, but I definitely didn't think that I was going to be completely traveling the world by myself. That's for sure. I used to be someone who was really shy, actually. Um, I liked meeting people, but I was really kind of introverted. I just, what, I didn't like putting myself out there. I didn't like speaking up in a room. I couldn't even raise my hand in class. I would get super embarrassed. I couldn't talk in front of a group of people. And now, I'm doing all of those things and I actually love doing all of those things. And I've just, I, I said to myself in college when I just, I was really unhappy because I, I just kept wanting to, to experience life, travel, meet new people. I've started to really, really want that. And none of my current group of friends wanted to do any of that. They wanted to stay exactly where they were. And my first step of just getting out of my comfort zone was going off to college completely on my own without any friends and finding random people to live with because I couldn't wait any longer for my friends to catch up to what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
And once I finally went off and, you know, that kind of, I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> and then I just kept doing things to, to push me out of my little bubble and zone that I was in. And eventually I entered a business competition in college, something I never thought I was going to do. But a teacher elected me for it because they saw something in me that I definitely didn't see in myself, leadership. And, and it forced me to get comfortable again speaking in front of a crowd, leading a team, like doing stuff that I, I didn't know I was really capable of. Yeah. And, and it's just like little, little, little moments in my life have just kept pushing me to this point where now I'm totally independent. I own my own company. I started it three years ago. I wrote my own book by myself without a publisher. I'm traveling the world now by myself without a plan and I'm totally loving life and okay with it. But when I was 16, I, I'd probably laugh. Like, there's no way that's happening. <laughs> like, there's no way in hell. I just, I did always know that I was, I wanted something bigger for myself and I didn't want to live in Maryland my whole life. That's something I've always known. I just had no clue what was really going to happen. I thought I was going to be like a fashion designer or a professional tennis player or, <laughs> yeah. or, or something like that, you know, and none of that happened at all um because life you can't control you really just can't control what's going to happen it's going to take you in the direction that it's going to take you in and you might not like it at first but it might make you super mad super angry super sad super uncomfortable you know there's going to be a, a mixture of emotions and then when you you go through it you can then be like wow i was supposed to I really believe in destiny and fate, all that. And I believe that everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to happen, no matter how much it sucks when it's going on. You end up where you're supposed to be in the end because there's no other place than now. Like You have to just enjoy what's going on in your moment of life as it's happening. Too many people focus on what's happening 10 years from now. Too many people fo focus on all the stuff that happened 10 years in the past. But none of that stuff matters. You can't control it. You can only control what's happening right now in this exact moment. And that's what I've started to really focus on instead of like, oh, 10 years from now, I want to make sure I'm married with kids, have this much money, whatever. I don't even think about it anymore because I don't want, I don't want to have anxiety and, and worry about something that, that might not, not even happen. Life might have a different path for me to take that I haven't even, you know, it's not even my, in my awareness yet. And I've learned that that's fine and that's okay. And it can be scary, but you have to let it go sometimes and just in order to move forward. Yeah, but, for sure. All, so, yeah. all the time. Like if you get, I, I talk about these things as anchors. So I, I say that we can anchor ourselves to the past or we can anchor ourselves to the future. And if we're always holding on to anchors, we're, we're not going to progress to where, where our capacity could have taken us. Um, so if you can let go of your anchors, whatever those are, those things that you think you have to have, you don't have to have them because you don't have them and you're still existing. So um, whatever those things are, let them go. Life will be good. As you as you've grown, as you progressed in your life, who has been your biggest or your biggest uh, multiple influencers, mentors? Whew. I have a lot. I have a lot of people that have really had my back. Uh, one is my former boss slash now one of my best friends, Kate Ladon. She was my first boss ever out of college. And this woman has pushed me and inspired me so much. I owe a lot of me being independent to her. Uh, she was like the only boss I've had. Uh, well, I haven't had that many because after her, I quit and I started working for myself, but she, she would push me to go to networking events uh, outside of work. We would have weekly side hustle meetings and hide them from the CEO. Hopefully he's not listening to this. <laughs> um, and, and she would just really push me to keep growing as an individual. She, she told me to start teaching fitness classes after work. She was like, you can quit here and start your own business and I'll totally support you. And she, to this day, I call her up, you know, whenever I can. And I gained so much, you know, valuable knowledge just from speaking with this woman for like an hour on the phone. Um, so she was a big, a big factor for me. Just, 
I think being so independent and, and being fearless with taking on my life the way I want to take it on. And my uncle was another really big factor because he's a very business savvy guy. And he was pretty much like a second dad to me and took me under his wing when I was in college with me interning for him and always trying to help me out in any way that he can with his business connections and with supporting me with whatever endeavor crazy thing I was about to do. He's always been someone that, you know, believed in me and supported me and told me that I could do it. Even when other people were telling me, this is stupid. Why are you doing that? Like you should be doing something else, blah, blah, blah. He was someone that always had my back. And I think that it's really important to have people like that in your lives, you know, no matter what you're doing, because you need people to have your back and support your choices, even if they don't agree with it, but still, you know, to have that support system there. It's super important. That is so, that is so true. I think that it having, having that person, um, for me, it was always my parents. It didn't matter what I did. They were always like, that's great. Go, go make it happen. That sounds like the best idea ever. Um, and it just allows you to fail. Like yeah. who, who, ca- who cares if you fail? Like <laughs> as a, right as a 20 year old, if you, if you don't fail, then you've screwed up because you should be failing all the time because it's a great opportunity to get better at the things that you want to get better at. Yeah. It's so true. If you've never pushed yourself hard enough to fail, you've just, you haven't pushed yourself enough. That's just true. So yeah, I agree with that. Fail every day at something is the the best thing you can do possible. But but also if you if you are find someone to support, find someone to support so that they have the confidence to fail. Like give somebody the the confidence to fail. That's a huge thing that you can do for somebody that will massively impact their lives, just like your uncle massively impact your life. So that's awesome. Yeah, super important. As you, as you scroll through your list of things that you regret, what's the worst purchase you've ever made? Well, the worst purchase, (laughs) there's been a couple of those. Um, well, now that I'm selling everything that I own, (laughs) because I don't need it. I've really learned that I don't need, I cannot stand all this materialistic stuff anymore. Like I like having my nice things, but I don't need to have like closet fulls of it. It's probably just the amount of, um, the amount of clothes that I've purchased that I, I look through my closet and there's stuff with tags on it. Yeah. I've never even worn it. Like what a waste of money. Yeah. It's so such a massive waste of money. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, I've always been like a hoarder of shoes and clothes and that's been something that I'm like, why did like once? Okay. Probably the biggest thing was these $400 boots that I bought. <laughs> okay. These, fr- these, these fry boots. I don't know if you know that brand. Yeah, for sure. They're they're nice boots. They're nice. (laughs) Yeah, they're good boots. I wore them once. (laughs) Like, and then I realized, what am I doing? And I couldn't return them after wearing them. Yeah. And I'm still trying to sell them. (laughs) I'm a size seven and a half. Um, But yeah, so that was just such a waste of money. Oh, one more in Thailand. See, it all involves clothes. I bought these custom leather jackets. I was, like, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. I, I really, I'm like, a, I'm like an edgy chick with my style in the winter. I like wearing dark leather stuff. Well, I don't know why I just do. And I always wanted a really nice leather jacket. And then I bought these things for like $500 each. Like, who do I think I am? And, and they don't even fit so bad. And I can't return it because it's custom. So I just spent a thousand dollars on two leather jackets that I, I literally have not worn once. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty bad one. Yeah, good job. That's a bad one. That's <laughs> not the worst. I'm so. impressed. Yeah. See, I don't do that anymore. Like when I just was in Europe, I didn't buy anything. I bought like a, a hoodie because it was freezing, and I only had summer clothes and food, of course. And that's it. I didn't buy anyone a souvenir. I didn't. I didn't take anything home. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, I learned my lesson on that. Yeah. It's such a good, it's such a good lesson to learn though. Quite honestly, it's so hard because it's just like food, right? The metaphor for food. Can we, if we can just walk away, then we're fine. (laughs) But if you, if you allow yourself to be impulsive, then you end up with 
a leather jacket that you're never going to wear. <laughs> and $1,000 in debt. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'm trying to sell this stuff now. And it's really annoying. It takes forever to sell something online. So I just regret it. Yeah. <laughs> what a learning opportunity. I love it. It's a, it's a fun, that's a fun, you should really get the jackets framed and just have them. Yeah. Memento. <laughs> I'll never buy another one again. <laughs> okay, as you've traveled the world, so this is my last couple questions for you. As you've traveled the world and you've experienced lots of different things, what's the closest thing to magic you've ever run into? Ooh, the closest thing to magic? Oh my gosh. Bali was pretty magical. Just being there with the people that yeah. live there, they're so kind. They're just, they don't even speak English well. And, and they're just so kind and inviting and will share anything with you and very spiritual and just being around people like that, especially in situations where you're the outsider and they might hear horrible things about Americans, but they're still going to treat you uh, with respect and be open and warm. That's to me like super magical. Yeah, that is, that is magical. That's, that's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, Bali, Bali had that for me, for sure. That was a special trip. Cool, cool. Yeah, Bali is on our uh, on our to do list for sure. Oh, you have to go. It's amazing. So there you go, Vibe Tribe. We're put keep pushing for the uh, Bali retreat 2019. <laughs> <laughs> if <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> if. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what what question would you ask? Oh, you mean like if I could, it's a question I really want to know. And yeah. Oh my gosh. Hmm. You're asking me some hard stuff. <laughs> it gets really difficult here at the end. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. Because sometimes I like to just live ambiguously. <laughs> yeah, that's it fair. Yeah, like it's like sometimes you feel like you want to know everything, but you really don't. <laughs> um, you know, I guess it certainly takes the magic away if you know everything. It, it does. Like, what is there left to discover? And I'm such a curious person. I lead with curiosity. That's really how I make my decisions now. Yeah. Am I curious or am I not? Um, I just love exploring and discovering things for myself. So I don't really know if I want to just have something hit yeah. me in the face. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very yeah. fair. I'm so, so appreciative of you spending this time and um, sharing your knowledge and your life with our community. Thank you so much for coming on Becoming Legendary. Yeah. Thanks for having me.